Let's talk. Pat here with Jimmy, Andy, and Anthony joining us again to continue our series on the AE biography series, WWE Legends. This week's episode, or we're actually doing two episodes this week because we're a week behind. We wanted to catch up. Before we jump in, though, how are you guys doing? Couldn't be better. Good. Especially after that doubleheader sweep on Tuesday. The Bandits are back, baby. We're back, baby. Uh, you good. probably noticed we uh, skipped the Wet Bandits softball update last week for good reason. We wanted to wait until we had good news to yeah. bring you any news. So uh, with that being said, we might as well just do the Wet Bandits softball update right off the bat after a tough, tough opening week which uh, we just weren't our ready. Spring training, we'll call it. That was spring training. We got our asses kicked. A little warm-up game. We I have a bunch of back. bozos and brown jerseys. Bozos and yes. brown jerseys. That's a Bozos great, and brown, I like it. I like it. That should be their new. Jabronis. Jabronis. Hey. Also, we had like, what, 30, 40 mile an hour? Maybe not 40. Oh, it was like 30 mile an hour win game one. It was. <laughs> it was bad, but we don't make excuses. Rough. We made. No, we do not. We, we made. What probably ten errors in, in the game first one? At least it was it was yeah. pretty bad, but we bounced back. We had a doubleheader this week, including a, a redemption game against the mm-hmm. the Brown. What was it again? Brown bozos, Brown, Jabroni. Jabronis, the Jabroni bozos, whatever we call them. We slaughtered and the first team. Slaughtered the first team. I think they gave then, up two runs, maybe three. And three. then we almost slaughtered. The Brown Jabronis, but then it was a tight. But game. But then it was a tight game. Yes. They came back towards the end. We tightened it up, got the doubleheader sweep. The Bandits are back. We're two and one. Those are our first softball wins in what six months? We a calculated long time. because we ended long last time. season on a long losing streak. Long and you know what? Streak. We still have time before our young guns get back. So this is this is the beginning of something special. I think. I'm I'm pretty sure we had. In our second game, in our redemption game, we had two double-digit innings where we scored 10 or more runs and then fouled it up by giving up, like, well, six or seven runs in the bottom of that and, inning. And, the and then going, and that whole, it was a weird, I think it was a weird thing where it was, like, we scored 10 in the first, went three up, three down in the second. Then we scored, like, five or six. I think we went, like, three. It was a weird. It was, like, we, we scored other. front heavy, yeah. and then we gave up runs back heavy. Yeah. But the redemption was, game was felt nice because – in the first game of the season, we gave up 12 runs in the first inning and made probably five or six errors. And then we were the home team in the redemption game, and we scored 11 runs in our first at bat in that game. So we gave mm-hmm. them a taste of their own medicine. We kicked them right in the dick. Right you come the out dicks. and you kick someone in the dick off the go, they're not going to come back from it. It's yeah, just 
There's and Tone, not only are you our resident wrestling historian, but uh, apparently softball strategist, he texts me. I don't know if you text me or talk to me in the game. And you're like, hey, these guys are hitting a ridiculous amount of high pop-ups. Should we move to three outfields in the short you from center? right field? No, no, I'm saying I don't know if he said no, it during no. the game or texted me after. Ah. So, so same thing this time. These guys were hitting these monster pop-ups that just kept going over our infielders' heads and in front of our outfielders. And I had totally forgotten until you reminded me, hey, should we try this? So our last inning, we moved to three outfielders in a short center, and we didn't get out of it clean. And but we it got was out still shaky as hell, and, and I was scared. Still shaky but as hell, but yeah. better. Judges it was weird. fell it was going weird for a fly ball. Literally, in two games of playing them, they're all, it was, it was, they, they batted 10. It was 10 righties, one lefty. Mm-hmm. And not a single one of them even pretended to go opposite. Nope. So it was like, all right, well, let's try to like move it around. Maybe do a five, you know, five infielder situation. And then sure enough, we, we move the first guy goes opposite. We're like, well, fuck, what do we do right. now? And then we just kind of stuck with it. We stuck with it. And yeah, I mean, the these guys, they had two really good bombs like back to back, but the yeah. rest of them were just high, high pop-ups that, Kept getting hit because we were either playing too deep or because we we're at a point where it was going from light to dusk and it got super cloudy. And everyone on both teams kept saying picking up the ball at that point Dude, was extremely not, you're difficult. You're not joking. The transition time from like when it's sundown, it sucks. All of a sudden, yeah. it's yes. like you're and dealing with like the lights then. coming on too. Yes. Yeah. Quiet yeah, as last he is. inning, there was the pop up. Um, to third, and oh. I looked straight up, and it was the first glance that I had at the lights yeah, all year. And oh man, I forgot what yeah. that's like if you yep. catch those right in, right in your eyesight. It's yes, rough. sir. And Andy has been pretty lights out through three well, games, not only on the mound but at the shit. dish, just yep. roping line drives like it's his job. Coming little in, dinks, setting, little dinks out the left. Not even little dinks, dude. No, they're hard screamers. dinkers, yeah, you're, bro. You're getting some good hits. Hard out there, dinkers, buddy. and uh, and then pitching, pitching good. Defense has gotten better from game one, but still room that's, for improvement. That's for sure. Room for improvement, uh, but can only go up. Wet bandits are on the rise, and I'm excited about it. I know you guys yes. are too. And we have an 8:30 game this week Oof. and the team we play has scored 5 runs in 2 games. Let's go. So, I'm going to come and giving up. up 42. So we better come Whatever you guys got to do to get up for the game. Personally, I'm I'm at the stage in my life where it's like a coffee thing. If you got to, you know, do a little, do a little you know, I think it's going to be a Riley's thing for me. Right. Okay. Yeah. I like that. Let's go before the game. Right. I'm yes. actually not opposed to that. Let's do that. Riley's Let's meet up. Riley. I'll send the text right Let's now. Let's do it. Well, not right like now. Meeting up. Team morale before the game. Yes. We'll all make handshakes with each other. It'll be it'll be fun. Jimmy, I, like I think, do you still have pull at Riley's? Like, you still know anyone there? Or? A little bit. You should, you should try to yeah. see if they can do the cream of uh, tortellini situation. For the All right, show. I'll see what I can do. See what you can do. See what I can do. We have the menu set, Dick. Okay. Oh, okay. Sorry, okay. sorry, Tone can't get it for you. Okay. Hey, at least you tried, oh, right? Don't forget, there are two Riley's teams now all of a sudden. Yeah, so yeah. now we have an in, in-league rivalry. That is going to be... That, that should I, be... Uh, that should be something just, that I, I hope I hope someone says something. Okay, here's the first guy Jimmy, says Jimmy, here's what you do next year when you're talking to Uncle Steve about the sponsorship. Be like, we are in Tuesday C two. 
If anyone else asks you for sponsorship, <laughs> ask them what league they are in. And if they say that league, tell them no. Tell them no. Because there's only one Riley's league, and it's the Wet Bandit. Although it does make for team. a cool, like, uh, like Crosstown Classic. It's yeah. like an inner bar classic. Yeah, yeah but who I'm are just, these all I can All I can picture is like a straight-up Roadhouse Rumble. Yes. If we both show up at Riley's like bar stools getting broken over people's backs and I love that bottles idea. to the face Probably more like West Side Story I Throw wish I some had known about this earlier I would have started growing my hair out months ago um the sways didn't mess around in that movie and I wouldn't plan on doing so either all right no he I'm did breaking not. bottles he brought, he I'm doing roundhouses records with him I'm murdering people go to I'm bar. straight up murdering people fantastic Simply for the love of, of bouncing. Yeah, I for love it. the love it. of the game. That's what it was all about. Sways, man. All right, we're getting Sways. off track. We got stuff we do want to talk about. And episode two of A&E's WWE Biography Legends, whatever it's called. I keep watching the name. It's a long one. It focused on Rowdy... Roddy Piper, who, if I'm being honest, was a little bit ahead of my time. So going in, my expectation levels were, especially after the Steve Austin one, where I was just jacked up, because that was that was my prime viewing time, was when the Attitude Era. But then, at the end of this one, I'm, I'm not going to say too much, but I was just blown away. I'm going to open the floor on this one, because I think... We all kind of feel the same way about it. But um, my favorite part about this uh, was seeing how committed he was to just, from the start, he came in, he knew who he was, and he just built up that character for his entire career. Whereas in the last episode, you know, you saw Austin have to kind of switch gimmicks and find his way. Like Roddy Piper came in with this gimmick and just wrote it to elite levels in WWF. It was awesome. So I I would say that um, I, I'm looking forward and was looking forward to all eight of these episodes. This was probably the one uh, second from the bottom that I was just like, okay, cool. Like, I'm excited about this. But, again, Pat, like you said, he's he's a little bit before our time. Tone, we're not historians like you are. So I, I remember him more. In his WCW days, like when they showed him getting his ass kicked by NWO, with the, um, with that's the how I remember. Leg, yep. Yes, that's Same how thing. I remember him. So I was like, exactly. I obviously excited, but not, not really into this one. And then within ten minutes, you're like, Jesus. I mean, when you watch the Stone Cold, when there's a slow, not slow buildup, but there's a buildup. And I feel this one, and and at the end of the Rowdy Roddy Piper, I I had a more, had more appreciation for how it was done because I feel like it matched his personality. Like this came out with a bang and you were like, boom, let's go. And after this was done, I felt like I could have cried at the end for just kind of how things ended for him Yeah, and no, just going through. And I, I was, it was so, that, you did, you so cry. well done. That last but interview that they cry? showed could have, <laughs> was, could have cried. I cried like a fucking see, baby. Yeah, the last interview they that showed That last interview was just tugged at And heart. you could see Rich Eisen's face was everybody watching yes. that interview, just realizing what's going on, but also just yes. trying to be professional in the moment. But but also, also having no clue what's going on. 
Right, but also kind of realizing that something's off. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, that, that's just, what I'm saying. Yeah. You realize something's up, but you have no idea what it is. So yeah, that was that was tough to see, and then just to how it to to hear how it all just kind of he just died shortly after that was yeah days later they said yeah sad, um, but I think you mentioned how you thought the character was like his personality. I actually thought his character was more of a ref, a reflection of his childhood and what he had yeah. to be mm-hmm. growing Demons. up in order to survive and then kind of being on the street. And, and it was actually a similar, I noticed a similar tone with, with, uh, with stone colds. Um, was that like desperation was like a really driving force. Like they had nothing mm-hmm. and this was their only opportunity. So they basically were just willing to sink everything they had into it. Um, but the, the fact that he actually plays the bagpipes is so cool. Yeah, um, very cool. It's such a cool spin on it, and the way that he was able to just pull I, with I that. never knew that either. Yeah. I like, didn't either. And, dude, is there a better town to be born in than Saskatoon, Saskatchewan? No. Nope. I mean, <laughs> where are you from? Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. That's, that's the best place you could say you're from. It looked like it was cold as hell and probably not enjoyable to I'll, live I'll in. I'll go but. one step further to be able to say my name is Rodney Toombs from <laughs> hey, hey, I'm Rodney Toombs from Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that whole five, That's a minute, five minutes in the in the documentary where he plays the Mexican national anthem, as he calls it, in front of yeah. 20, felt like he epitomized what it means to be a villain in a heel, and he loved it. That <clears> took some balls and then think that. about think about too like who like he, he was in a program at that time with the Guerreros who were right. literally like right. Mexican Mexi- wrestling. yeah like Mexican right. royalty like, Here, here's what I'm gonna do I'm gonna go ahead and go out there and have everyone stand at attention and be completely silent for the Mexican national anthem and then literally play La Cucaracha a song is, about a cockroach is, yes is literally is is the biggest troll job I think in wrestling history is to just to be able to do that and and then not even have the match. Like, there wasn't even right. a main event. Right, right. <laughs> <But> that was it. <laughs> what else I, I appreciate about him was his preparation and how, I mean, you see, you hear Ric Flair on the mic, you hear The Rock on the mic, you hear Stone Cold on the mic. And again, I don't remember Rowdy Roddy Piper on the mic, but seeing his his promos and his shows was just, this dude was a magician with his words. I mean, just some incredible stuff, and his prep work well, was. And the fact that my that assumption it wasn't, is second, second to none. Because the others that you mentioned, you don't, you know, I'm sure a certain amount of prep work goes into it, but some of those guys seem to go off the dome a lot. Sure. Whereas this, he's got notebooks and notebooks of just one-liners that he's writing, and just like like you said, he just has these ready to go. Um, and that was actually one thing that he said always bothered him when people um, would. Uh, would like tell him, you know, be like, Oh, you just think of all this stuff like off the cuff. And he's like, no, right. like I put all this time and effort into this. Right. And, and like, he really was so dedicated to the craft and, and, and embraced, um, embraced the role of the heel. Probably. I was just, I was just going to say yeah, that. as much as anybody relished like he, in it, he knew what he was and, and, and to see, what hate that brought to him. Oh he got God. stabbed People three times. Him. He got yeah. stabbed three times. He had to start wearing, a leather a Kevlar, coat with Kevlar. Kevlar. I mean, that's Kevlar that's just jacket. crazy. But but he loved it, and and it's he thrived off of it. And 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 the one thing I'd never realized about him, which is where like really where I was like, 
totally just sucked in, like, this is amazing, was that basically without him, WrestleMania never exists. Nope. Yep. Because yep. you needed somebody who was an, uh, a good enough of a villain to stand toe-to-toe with, with Hulk, who was basically at the time just untouchable. He was the yeah, number one wrestler. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, and then... Um, seeing, you know, him, his reaction to, to Mr. T being involved. And, um, I don't know. It was just, it was also cool seeing, uh, Vince McMahon's mind churning and how all this stuff came together for him. Um, just, just kind of, go ahead. I thought it was pretty crazy. Um, a lot of wrestlers go through the cycle of, you know, heel turned hero, um, and then maybe go back to heel or vice versa he never really had like the the glory of being like an appreciated hero Correct. yeah he was just constant heel he and, had the, he had the comeback heel like where he came back from injury and then like yep. oh shit Roddy Piper's back we have to cheer him for a little bit but then you realize like no mm-hmm. he's still a piece it's of just, shit yep, we yeah. hate him <laughs> it uh but yeah to me one of the cool aspects of that one too was also just seeing how the WWF came to form with at the time in the seventies and eighties, it was, this was all huge regionally. Like all these areas had their own wrestling federation territories. Yeah. Territorial. Yeah. And then Vince McMahon was just kind of like, Oh, let's go take the best people from all the big time, you know, local uh, territories that are uh, the promotions that are being run and let's do a national thing where they're exposed. Um, but again, another common theme I think that showed up in this one from the first one was life on the road and mm-hmm. and how um, seeing it in a little bit of a different life, whereas in the last one, Stone Cold was just so committed to his character at, and just his rise that he basically abandoned all life away from the road and just focused on life out on the road, whereas... Right where Roddy Piper had a family and like, you know, loved his family, a good family man. And, you know, they mentioned he would, he would go to a hotel and wind down for a day before he would go home to his family because he had to just, you know, come get away from that character. Um, yeah. But then in, in, in showing that also showing that, um, you know, just shortly after being home, having anxiety to be back out on the road and how it's just like, right. They're always, one way or the other, either either on the road, fully committed to it, or when they're home, they're still kind of one foot out the door, um, you know, still being here for the family and just the nature of the business. Though, like you, like they talked about, you could you could fall off, fall down the ranks if you miss time yep, at any time. It's, exa- it's exactly what it is. It's 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 not like like the FOMO situation, like fear of missing out, like the idea of if I'm not there, somebody's going to take my spot. You know what I mean? Because it's, right. it's yeah. you're you're in a situation where it's like, all right, if you're not if you're not at work, then you're, we're still going to have a match. And if you're you know right. in a program or you're in a rivalry with someone, well, you know if someone goes out there and does it better than you, that's that's a huge a huge issue, right? Uh, the right. big thing that I the, like the, the thing that I thought most about after watching this was like. And again, it's it's different from our time, right? He was he was ahead of our time, but like kind of the the idea of like the underappreciation that mm-hmm. that he always had, and like if you if you really think about it, like think about the time that he was in there. He was in there with Andre the Giant, Ric Flair, Hulk Hogan, Macho Man, like Ricky Steamboat. Like he was with all of these huge guys, 
And no one ever really like puts Roddy Piper on that pedestal being as big of a heel as he was. He made a lot of those guys so much better right. in, in, in the situations that they were just going to, just going to throw out a couple, a couple facts here. Um, in the WWF, he was the intercontinental champion once, and he was a tag team champion with Ric Flair once. In WCW, he was the United States champion three times. That's it. That's it. Wow. Never held a world title. You know, never. He wasn't like like See, an intercontinental title. You know, perennial guy where he had it two, three, four, five times. He won. He won two titles in the WWF. That seems and, like a massive oversight from creative to yes. literally have the heel that that created WrestleMania, that rivalry with Hogan, yeah. and never give him at least one chance to hold the title right. and just run that storyline of, you know, it's a good storyline when the villain holds the belt for a little bit and then Hulk gets it back and yep. you know at, at SummerSlam or whatever. Exactly. And the best part about it was is that his personality – he was always doing what was best for business. He cared so much about wrestling and it. And they talked about it with the whole, with the whole Mr. T thing. He's like, mm-hmm. Mr. T was disrespecting wrestling. I'm not, I'm not putting him over. I'm not letting him pin me because that's not what that's not. He, he wanted Hulk to pin him. That and was I the don't blame him for that him. one bit. But even, and, and, even that being said, just showing, like you said, he was the consummate professional knowing what the, the premier photo would be. And he had Mr. T lift him up over his head as that's the photo that was used everywhere. And just still, you know, not taking the pin, but still being a showman a hundred percent of the time. Yeah. He's not, he's not letting, he's not letting a Hollywood guy come in there and, you know, get the, get the nod. He, 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 he was all about the business. He was all about doing what was best for business. He didn't give a shit if he lost every single one of his matches, but if it was telling the right story and it was doing the right thing, then absolutely. But you said it right, Jimmy, like, I mean, throw the guy a bone, give him, give him a title at, you know, let him, let him win a title at the Royal Rumble or let him win a, win a title at, at whatever. And then have him drop it to Hogan or have him I drop it. To- I feel like that might've been a product of the fact that he was a heel for so many different, like high level yeah. heroes. And the yeah. fact that he was just constantly moving between those as heel storylines, like you never had, I mean, he definitely was prominent with Hulk and things like that, but, and this is just me kind of speculating, but he never held one of those heel jobs long enough with like one storyline that like made him complete his arc of going in and out. It seemed like the W like Vince McMahon specifically was pretty hell bent on him. Just stirring the pot with across the whole federation (laughs) With yes. the Piper's pit and having his own talk show where he's basically just punching dudes after talking shit to him for, for three minutes so they can cut a promo. And, um, yeah, to your point, I think they just kind of used him as, as the overall antagonist to where, again, when we were more, when we were watching more during the Attitude Era, they basically, they needed the rock for Stone Cold because he needed that adversary to kind of go against. And, yeah. Um, where yeah, Roddy Piper was just like, the only really great heel that they had. I mean, I guess I shouldn't say only, but the the best, you know, agitator they had going. Yeah. So I think my favorite thing about this one, and I know, and they talked about it time and time again, and I kept 
picking it up as they would talk about it was just how tough he actually was. And I'm sure as a wrestler, you knew when you had a match with him, you were going to take your licks and they were going to hurt because he, I know like they pull their punches, but they were making some solid, loud contact constantly. Like he yeah, was not were, messing around with these guys. They were beating the fuck out of each other. Right. And, 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 and he took it equally as he gave it, but those were some, those are some tough looking matches to watch, which is what, People love. I mean, when you're there and you're in the nosebleed section and you hear him slap a guy in the chest, like all the way up there, you know that shit hurts. And I'm a big, and honestly, I'm a big, like back then, I feel like you, they were probably pulling 5% of their punches as opposed to the rest of them, you know, making contact and, 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 wrestling snug like that that that's what they did like they knew that you know certain guys were going to go in there they were going to put you in a fucking headlock and they were going to squeeze your head and, and and punch you in the head three four five ten times whatever but they also knew that like depending on where you ranked on the on the list like you were you were going to get that in return you were going to get a receipt for that right. situation so yeah it, it was it was back then it was I mean, these guys were were fighting. Just look at the coconut situation where he oh hit, god, that was so funny. Jimmy yeah. Snooker with the coconut, <laughs> for real. Just, yeah, and he gonna... shattered that thing. Yeah, he didn't just that thing. So the amount of well, force he had to have to bring a coconut over that dude's head. Have you ever opened a coconut? No, I've tried, couldn't do it. I, I, I open it with a, <laughs> with a fucking ball peen hammer, and I'm smashing the thing. He hit someone over the face, well, dude. That's what face. I'm saying. I, it was <laughs> and it shattered. It was cool seeing how Holy he shit. he totally embraced that persona and he and he worked it into the ring. They said he would bring like rolls of quarters or rolls of yeah. coins into the ring yeah. and that kind of stuff. And that's kind of like early on um, you know, like tea leaves, I guess, towards like, you know, what the hardcore era, be, you know, when they had the hardcore championship and yeah. stuff. And obviously there's like ECW where a lot of the more extreme stuff happens, but that stuff being worked in, to seeing it like worked in back then, um, and like you said, the coconut and just just like really just like going over the top and then not really telling anyone because just feeling like they should kind of expect it because that's who he right. is and that's yeah. that's the character. Um, I mean, I I can't think of, and I'm not saying they don't exist. I just can't think off the top of my head of a person I hated in wrestling as much as people appear to have hated him. No. Like, I, I don't think that existed for us. It didn't. And that's the whole attitude there just kind of, everyone times. was like, you know, I, I fuck definitely you. don't think that existed for us. Although wrestling so, fans were crazy back then. I mean, but seeing like him walk down or when he, when he would leave the ring or, or enter the ring and people, you could see the hate on their faces for him. Throwing shit at him, giving him the finger, and like just they him always having that smirk, not like doing him. like the little headcock thing too. Oh, just like to his walk. I think I sent. I think it. I sent the. I sent the gif in our little group chat of him just walking. Well, I that smut. when I cut that sound, it was just like the, his entrance video, and it's just like him the one yeah. side, like in the background playing the bagpipes, and then just him doing the different walks, like at WrestleMania, and like, dude, he just. He ate that shit up. Oh, it was could awesome. You, could you imagine watching a television show and hating a person so much that you see them in person, you stat, like you try to kill them right? because you hate them. Okay, my Three favorite times. part of that story is where he's like, he took his hand off and every time his heart would beat, it would squirt out blood. Well, my, like, favorite, part of the, my favorite part of that story was the fact that he, he wanted to- He fought the to, guy afterwards. He wanted to fight, yeah. He wanted yeah. to, like, he wanted to fight the guy. And he's like, what, what, 
why? He's like, because he stabbed me. And then he pulls the hand <laughs> off and his fucking blood squirting everywhere. It's like, uh, no, you're going to the hospital. That it's time to go. Like, wild. Yeah. Another just wild. cool aspect of these documentaries is obviously an extreme circumstance there, but just kind of a sneak peek into how tough these guys really are and yes. how much they really sacrificed their bodies. Like when they interviewed his daughter and talking about how when he was in WCW, Hollywood Hogan is hitting his scar for his hip replacement and – his daughter's just at home screaming at the TV because she sees him at home. He can barely walk. He probably goes there, hopped up on pills to get himself out there and just beating the crap out of the injury. And uh, really just seeing how much these guys commit their lives to these storylines. Like, it truly becomes a big yeah. part of who they Definitely are. Definitely more so back then. Oh, yeah. Than- now because they had to sacrifice so much more of their bodies for, mm-hmm. oh, for yeah. that stuff. But yes, agreed. Also seeing, I thought it was a cool tidbit that they included um, when he kicked Cindy Lauper and oh, that was how so that funny. was such a big deal because obviously, you know, she's a woman, but like the biggest um, pop star in the world. And then they talked about how, um, I don't know if that was planned when he came in and smashed the record over that guy's head or how much of that was planned, but they just talked about how when he came in, he totally just surprised everybody basically with the execution of how it went down. And it was, mm-hmm. that was just him though. Like we talked about the coconut. He, he didn't care if you were in the ring, you were part of the show and well, he I think was going to come with play the, his with part. The thing with Jimmy Snook, I think there was like a, there was there bad was like blood big, there. Yeah, there was, I think they met, they talked about it a little they bit. They had a big there. rivalry too, him and Jimmy Snook and him and the Hulk. Yeah. But it was, it was really cool to see how, Basically, every almost every maybe not almost, but a lot of heels since then, um, you know, come from a lot of what he did as a character. Like mm-hmm. people base their characters as a heel around what Roddy Piper did because he was maybe the best to ever do it, or he I he mean, he was the first to do it to to where you could commercialize it too. Like I'm not gonna lie, I kind of want to buy a hot rod shirt yeah. after watching <laughs> that. Those are sick. So it's he had, pretty. In- he had a lot of good. He had a lot of good quotes too. That like. Yeah, I, that's one thing I I've got to talk about preparedness. Got yeah. my notes here, yeah, and I I had he's the one timer or the all timer and one liners. Like I didn't you know you watch them and it's just all this stuff and the fact that it's just basically like we talked about written out just ready to go at any any given moment. He's just waiting. So for the I right I also had no idea before that a rounder or that Ronda Rousey was such a fan of his, and two, yeah. that she got his blessing to use that name. Um, I don't think I ever thought about it much like one way or another, but it does make me feel better that she cleared it with him first. Yeah. And that and that she used it in MMA and, because she was such yeah. a good fan and was trying to pay you know, homage to him. And it was a cool scene when, his, her, when she met his family. Uh, I think it was at WrestleMania. Yeah, it, it was just it was super well done. So, I mean, yeah, they did a great. Jo- they did overall. They did a great job. Th- there's only been three up to this point, and as of right now, where it stands, if you only have time to watch one, I would recommend the Rowdy Roddy Piper one. Yeah, even if you have no idea who he is, I, I mean, thought th- that was the most like thorough. I don't know how to explain it. Like the Stone Cold one got me pumped up because we grew up on Stone Cold. Correct. But I thought this was the best out of the three as far as showing the full picture of 
you know, the ups and downs and really detailed, um, I don't want to say life outside of the ring, but life while in the ring. Yes. Yes. Um, I, I agree with you, Jim, that this was not necessarily my favorite, but I thought the best one. Yeah. I mean, th- there were times where they were showing pictures of him like in the ring. And I was like, I don't know if I could have identified that that's Rowdy Roddy Piper before this because he doesn't have his plaid kilt on, his yeah. plaid trunks on. Like, I don't know if I could have identified him. Always sunny legend. Well, and now it's yeah, like <laughs> I was going to mention that like, they could have they could have threw they could have threw uh, an interview to like Dan Esther. Right. Someone. They, they all apparently loved him on set. Oh, for sure. Well, that's the thing. He was like as much of a, a of an asshole as he was in the ring and his persona. Like everyone always talked about how like good of a person, how down mm-hmm. to earth, how very just consummate professional. Know, yeah. yeah. Just a, like a good and just a good human good human being yeah he had his tough you know he said it himself if he didn't find wrestling he'd be dead for sure yeah you know and and i i, I want to say i because like i said I, again to bring up stone cold's podcast when i first started like learning about roddy piper from that in the interviews that he had and if i'm not mistaken he 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 would talk about like a lot of abuse that he that he received as a kid. I don't know mm-hmm. if it was just physical and sexual or if it was just sexual abuse or vice versa or whatever the case may be. But he talked about like how, again, that's what, that was what like his driving force was to get out of the situation that he was. The guy left home when he was 13 was on his own for, you know, how, how, how long. And just so happens that he finds wrestling. He finds this profession. He uh, essentially adopts all of that trauma and turns into, you know, one of the biggest heels, but never like forgot where he came from. I don't, right. I don't want, I don't want to ever abuse my kids growing up because of how I was abused when I right. grew up. And that was what he said. He's like, I'm not, I'm never going to yell at my kids. I'm never going to raise my voice to them. Cause I, all it makes me do is remember what right. I went through and who right. I am now because of that. So it's like, you know, he, he, he was a business first guy or he was a family first guy and then his business was separate. So like he, he put both of those things on such a high pedestal, but they were both right. so yeah. separate. That's why I yeah. thought it was so interesting because the other ones that we've seen is like the person becomes, has a trouble toying that line and becomes the character. And, and they don't really know how to shut it off. Where, where Roddy Piper just was who he needed to be to have this career and could totally yeah. just step away and turn it off and be with his family. Um, where a lot of these people, they, they become the character outside of the ring as well. And then that's where yeah. it kind of toys the line, but it was, um, it was really good. It was so good. I, think, I about really how, good. think about how crazy, like he fucking, he was running wild with Ric Flair. Yep. Right. Who was like, <laughs> like the man. You and that, I mean? and like those two, that's got to be like one of the greatest tandems of all time when those two were running on the mic in that mid-Atlantic wrestling. Um, yeah, it was just really cool to see. Uh, and then when the fact that he was 15 when he did his first his wrestling first game match. and he looked yeah. even like he did. You know, they talked about how he was kind of small in stature maybe compared to some of the other guys because he wasn't doing a ton of steroids. But just to see even like that, you know, that's just a guy that's built for it. And a lot of yeah. these guys are just like they're built for this. Yep. Um, so yeah, definitely like that. That one got me excited to to keep things rolling with this one because, like I said, 
going in, that was one I didn't think I would care about as much. And here I am thinking so far, yeah, my favorite of the bunch or, yeah. or the one, like Andy said, like if you were going to watch one of them, like that would be probably the best one to suggest to get a, a really full encompassing like picture of what being a wrestler is. So it's, bef- it's, go ahead. I was just going to say before I even knew who Roddy, Roddy, Roddy Piper was, I first knew about him from my little prop that I'm going to show. And it is this. And it's a Hulk Hogan rock and wrestling card game. And this thing is from 1985. Do you still have the game? Oh, yeah. So there were four, like, I have no idea how to play this game. Me, (laughs) my brother, sister, and dad play this play like our iteration of it on Mm -hmm. Christmas Eve every single year. Really? Here's one of the main characters, which is Roddy Roddy Piper. There's Hulk. Oh my goodness. Um, Tito Santana. Yeah. (laughs) So good. And the Iron Sheik. Okay. So, and then go ahead. And then throughout there were other cards that you could play, which were all wrestlers. Mr. Fuji. (laughs) Fabulous Mula. Oh. Nikolai Volkov. Dude, the managers. Big John Stud. Ooh. Big John Hillbilly Stud. G- Hillbilly Jim. Yes. Wendy Richter. Isn't that Matt I- Richter's mom's name? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jimmy Superfly Snooker. Junkyard Dog. Whoa, whoa. JYD. Andre. So, he, he takes up like five eighths of that card. Yeah, exactly. So all these guys, before I even like watched wrestling in the late nineties or whatever, I knew these names from this game that That's has awesome. been in my house for <laughs> since 1985. And it's just like sitting here. And again, I have no idea how to play the actual game. We just kind of came up with our own rules. Okay, and so- you play it every Christmas Eve. Pretty much, yeah. Incredible. I think that's wild that we've been doing this show for three years and you're just telling well, us that it's now. The perfect like, that's pretty cool. So, spoilers, we're planning on doing uh, a live broadcast for our finale of this series at Anthony's house while he cooks us some delicious food. And you should see the grill he hold has on. outside. Let me tell now, you. Now, Andy, you have to bring that card game so we can that's play whatever play. iteration of that game that you play. I'm glad you. I'm glad you brought it up because I didn't. I didn't want to let a cat the cat out of the bag. I didn't. Want, I didn't want to say anything because yeah. I didn't know like what. Yeah. The so it's in the was, works. We're yeah, still working out the details, was... but eventually <laughs> we're gonna end this with a fun live episode. We're gonna eat delicious food. Now we're gonna play Hulk Hogan's. Do what we know what called? the final episode is? Rock and wrestling. Rock and wrestling. The final episode of this series. Yes. We're doing them every Sunday. So the no, fourth... no, no. I'm saying, do we know which character it is? Oh. I don't know. Hopefully, Bret Hart or Shawn Michaels. That would be just a good good way I'm gonna to guess, finish I'm gonna it I'm going to guess Shawn Michaels. Okay. That's Maybe. Anthony's got to be a top five favorite gift for you when Shawn oh, Michaels. Oh, that's number one. And then I okay. also – but then also <laughs> finding the one where he when, where Bret spits into his face now completes the <laughs> – completes the uh, the little – the uh, what do you call it? I don't know what the fuck I'm thinking. I know what you're saying. You know. So uh, I'm super excited for them to talk about um, – what, what's it called for, for Bret Hart? Um, you know what I'm talking screw about. Job. Yes. Yeah, the, the Montreal, Montreal screw job. job. I cannot wait. It's going to be great. 
to have them dive but in. Before, so yeah. do, do you guys watch Vice or, or do you guys watch Dark Side of the Ring? I've never seen, seen those. I don't. I don't. Subs- I don't have Vice, no. so I can't watch them. Uh, we got, I got to find a way to. to yeah, to I want to though. I've heard they're really those, good. Those, yes, those are. We could maybe we could figure that out and do another series. Outstanding. All right, love documentaries. Before we jump ahead in these ones though, we got episode three that we want to talk about as well. Unjustifiably in a position that I'd rather not be in, but the queen rise to the top. Oh yeah. Macho man Randy Savage grew up in Downers Grove, Illinois. Was I heard subject. that they're putting a statue for him there soon, yeah? Really? I heard that on That'd the radio cool. the other day. Huh. Oh, dude, if they do, we got to go take pictures. <laughs> okay, real quick, before we jump in, everyone, best Macho Man impression. We'll send this out. We'll have the masses vote on who has the best Macho Man impression. So, Jimmy, you're the lead impressionist on the show. You go first. Oh, yeah. Nothing else, just just the one line. Okay, that's all I need. Uh, I thought that's all we were doing. Okay, yeah, that's fine. We'll just do yes. Okay, that's fair. Oh, I was gonna go with the Spider Man line. Oh, okay. Whatever oh, do you, you want, just do you. You're going nowhere. Oh yeah, the cream rising to the top, brother. <laughs> Unjustifiably in a position of rather not being, but the cream rises to the top. Oh yeah. Well done. Oh, all around. Yeah, it was pretty good. I, I, it's fine. I, anyone can win that one. But Got the for three minutes documentary <laughs> was, uh, as we talked about, you, you, you finished the the Roddy Piper one feeling a, a certain type of way. You didn't really finish Macho this Man one. feeling a different type of way. <laughs> yeah. So, also, uh, one of the great heels of the time period um, that yeah. he was in. Um, obviously the, the one thing I notice is, you know, I mentioned the cream of the crop I've got the shirt on, but that's my favorite macho man cut. Um, but macho man's cuts were hilarious cause he was just coked out of his mind and acting like a, a moron. Whereas when we walked the Roddy pipe, watch the Roddy Piper one, you see how prepared he was for everything and everything was yeah. meticulous. And, 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 and Randy was like that in the ring. Which is what they, which is the one thing that I like really walked away from this respecting was how committed and meticulous he was about what they did in the ring and yeah. um, committed to the character. Anthony, you mentioned last episode, like he didn't care. Uh, Macho Man didn't care if he lost every match as long as it was a good match and like put on a good show. That's all that he really cared about. Yeah. Um, but it, it, we, you know, we talked about before. Um, this is one where uh, it was just an example of not really being able to turn off the character and wondering yeah. what he's doing on these shows. What of it is emulated into his real life or like he couldn't find the line to like figure out where to stop crossing over um, and led to a lot of personal issues, I guess you would say, or personal problems, um, starting with having his wife, Elizabeth, included um Basically, um, you know, as his manager, and then just just kind of just that weird dynamic that existed because of it. So um, I don't know what were your guys like overall thoughts on on like again I thought it was really well done um, yes. covering a long ranging and and 
and him being a um, second generation uh, wrestler. Um, his dad was a wrestler as well. It wasn't. Um, this was. Yeah, the first, I didn't. I did not know that piece. Yeah, I didn't know that either. either. And this is the first and one cool. where it wasn't really. Um, like he did this as a means of survival, as we saw with kind of Stone Cold and Roddy Piper, where, you know, actually, I, I'm going to go out on a limb and say we should thank the Chicago White Sox because without <laughs> them cutting Randy Poffo, what is it? Yeah. Then he never goes to wrestling and becomes Macho Man Randy Savage. So thank you, Chicago White Sox, for gifting us Macho Man Randy Savage to the world. I I thought the whole uh, it was just a different vibe um, than Roddy Roddy Piper and much different vibe and at the same time I just like it was much more high energy because obviously Macho Man um, and just mounds of coke but at the same time I felt just as sad watching that yeah um, as I did the Roddy Roddy Piper one. Yeah. Um, for for different reasons because Pat, that was my biggest takeaway is just the inability to turn it off, and um, I would have loved to see kind of more of like during the Chicago White Sox time, kind of seeing what his you know normal personality was because from that point forward, there was nothing outside of Macho Man. Like yeah. interviews, anything, moments, it was all that character. And I would have I would have been really interested to see what he was like before that, more so. So I remember when they did the 30 for 30 on Ric Flair, and and we talked about it on this show, and we said nothing about that made me want to be a yeah. professional wrestler. Mm-hmm. Like because he was always Ric Flair. Always. Had a family, never saw him, was too interested in Drinking and drugs and banging women and money and 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 you kind of got that feel in this one too. Like yep. yes, you glamorize them in the ring for twenty to thirty minutes as they're wrestling and and their their cuts and promos outside of it. But other than that, there's nothing glamorous about their lifestyle. No. And and we've now so in in this one alone we see, um, Piper's dead. Macho Man's dead. We haven't seen Warrior yet, but he's dead. And and uh, Piper talked about it. He's like, I'm not gonna live to be 65. And he no. died at I think 61. Like, there's nothing glamorous about this outside of their 15 minutes of fame each week in the ring. And I think this one really exemplified that. And I thought the one thing that I did feel kind of bad about Macho Man for after watching this was obviously he had issues beyond the ring, but. Within the ring, he basically his whole career was overshadowed by Hulk Hogan, while mm-hmm. also building up, helping build up Hulk Hogan to to what he was with that kind of rivalry, but never really getting the opportunity or being seen as someone um, as the guy. And obviously, something that kind of just like totally went over my head as we're younger. And Jimmy, as you mentioned before in the first, uh, the second episode where we remember Roddy Piper from WCW, it's kind of the same with macho man is when I was watching wrestling, macho man had moved to WCW, but, um, just to see that he kind of was so small in stature compared mm-hmm. to a lot. Of, I never realized that cause he's got big muscles, you know, he did yeah. steroids and whatever, but just, you never realize yeah, when Hulk, Hulk is six, five or whatever he is, or six, seven, maybe even he's a big guy and just, like Scott Macho Hall's Man was like six eight. What do you think? Yeah. Macho Man was probably like five 
11, like maybe six feet tall. Like he was just, I'd say probably six foot. Yeah. So it's it crazy com- because you have this, you have this image built up of him where a lot of shots are like zoomed in from the chest up. So you just see him standing next to like the announcers yeah, and you sure. just kind of have this larger than life idea of him. And you always kind of think like, Oh, he's probably like six, four, six, five. But then you see him truly next to some of the bigger guys. And yeah, it was kind of wild. Like, and- I, or Pat, like you just said, I never took into account the fact that he was that much smaller than everyone. Well, to yeah, your they, point, they too. have him at six, like they say six one. Yeah, but no, you are right. Like every every promo that he did, it was it was chest up, and he had a great physique. Yeah, you yeah, know, for sure. he had a great. He had the the triangle body, like he had the the big chest and the big laughs and all that. But no, you are right. Like everything was like kind of done at an angle. It was done yep. chest up, like. And, and and think about who you're going up against. You're going up against Hogan, who's a beast. You go against, you know, the warrior, who's a beast. The person that he had the best rivalry with, they were the same size, him and Steamboat. And, I mean, look what they were able to accomplish. And Yeah, you know. that, that was a really cool part of the episode when they focused on his WrestleMania three match Crazy. with Ricky Steamboat and just seeing, like, for anybody out there who wants to trash and make fun of wrestling because it's all pre-planned and choreographed right. i i challenge you to watch this five ten minute segment they had within this episode about their match for the intercontinental championship at wrestlemania 3 160 steps all planned out and memorized and right. and again I, I actually went and watched the match on youtube um after incredible um, after i watched it and it, it is incredible it's just like they're out there and then and it's not just like Little, like, you know, planned 160 moves, you know, 48 of them are headlocks or something like that. Like, it starts out with a headlock, and from there it's just hit the gas. They're throwing each other into the turnbuckles. They're jumping off the turnbuckles. I mean, throwing each other out of the ring, really high-flying, high-intensity, two really good athletic wrestlers just at their peak going toe-to-toe. And it was it one of, it's considered one of the best matches of all time. When you watch it, you're like, wow. this. When you think of it, wrestling is a form of art. It's a weird yes. way to put it because, you know, it's all these, but that is like the, maybe the purest form of it you can find, you know, to watch for someone who does probably familiar with second wrestling. best choreographed match to mine and yours. Oh yeah. Which I was, dude, I was literally, <laughs> I, I meant to text video? you. Do we have video. Okay. So, so I, we've talked about, I meant it. to text you earlier, Jim. I literally was going to text you and say, we need to pick a day coming up where we take <laughs> all those videos from mom's closet in a VCR, yep. and we find that video, and we find and the video we where I... you had the thing we can play it in. Like you have that yeah. VHS. You can... Okay, so perfect. And mom Somewhere. and dad still we'll pick have a, a day. We'll... A VCR. Okay, you guys. Oh my god. We have to find this before we do our final show live. Oh, okay. So we got to get together so soonish. It. Okay, tomorrow or this? Yeah, tomorrow when we go to mom and dad's. Let's collect the videos. We'll pick a okay. day. We'll try and see if we can just find it based on label, which we've probably okay. done, but we'll try again. And then we'll find this, guys. I mean, this had everything. It had entrances. <laughs> it had storyline. Uh, my dad commentary. did all the camera work. He probably oh, did yeah. the commentary. Dad too. was the best. He produced it. He was the the videographer. There's and the commentary. There's broken tables. There's there's a little bit of everything. We move around from outside to inside. Back. We to both outside. we both roll up in a Ford Bronco. It's. <laughs> The same Ford Bronco? Yeah, yeah because we're, 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 we're partners, Bronco. and then Pat turns heel oh. on me. There's layers to this, okay? It's, 
like an onion. It's great. Okay, we're definitely gonna find this video and we're gonna show it and we're gonna post it. We've on YouTube been talking about this for three years. We have to find it and debut it now. And then I'm also gonna find the video so where well I broke done. the trampoline playing slam ball. Also yeah, in those it, somewhere. But that is another good one. So so then what we can do after we find it, we can have we can show the original and then Anthony and Andy, you can be JR and King. Oh, you guys and commentate give over new it. commentator yes. on it. I Which, think that would be fantastic. Also, just a little side note, it was kind of cool seeing um in this one I had this on my notes. I forgot to flip pages. Um personal friend, Jerry the King Lawler. Uh, was a big oh, part. Yeah. Was a big part of Macho Man's. I say personal friend because I'm gonna put this picture up on the screen right here. Wait, him and Pat are cool. <laughs> here, put it right here. There, I totally Done. got flipped backwards. But yeah, I met Jerry Lawler in Miami, and and then later on at the pool when I had a couple drinks in me, I went to offer him a beer, and he said he doesn't drink anymore, so he let me buy one for his 23 year old fiance. Good for him. And then I like stood Solid there and move. talked to him for like a minute. And then I was like, all right, well, I guess I'll just go then. He was like, all right, see you later. All right. You sure? So, you Tone, I, I talked out? last week. You have to share your, yep, 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 yep. yep. Your, your two encounters. Okay. So, <clears throat> encounter number one, I am walking, and this is the same trip. I'm walking, well, escalating down the escalator. And, escalating up the escalator next to me I, I see this guy that i'm just like wait a minute like that he he looks very very familiar like you, you can see his face you can see like how fucking this i know this guy however there was a couple things that were a little bit off okay the guy first off was wearing a day goatee had the arm tattoos he had the full sleeves everything's good but he had white there's a buzz cut white hair so I'm like, hmm, that's interesting. And he definitely wasn't six foot eleven as he's billed. So I I'm I'm constantly going back and forth. I'm like, was that was that the Undertaker? Because I'm pretty sure it was the Undertaker. So it's eating me up the rest of the time that I'm there. And I finally like start looking up. And and the one thing that I did, I, I turned and I looked and I saw the, I saw the back of his neck, and he has a very distinct tattoo on the back of his neck. So I'm like, all right, I'm now I'm looking up Undertaker tattoos. Sure enough, the actual Undertaker has the same fucking tattoo on his neck. And I'm like, clearly that was the Undertaker. So I did a little bit more research. I did a little bit more digging. And apparently he had he had uh, broken his orbital. It was when he he cracked, he re-cracked his orbital floor. So he was out of action. So now I'm like, okay, well, clearly the Undertaker doesn't grow his hair out and dye it black when he's not in action. So sure enough, he shaved his head. He's completely white, completely white hair. And that was my opportunity to see the undertaker, you know, shake his hand or whatever. Gets worse. So I'm in the casino. This is like two days later. I'm in the casino. It's like 3 a.m. And it's me and my cousin. Nobody else around. Okay. It's very, very uh, non-busy. So I look down and I see probably 250 yards away, a guy walking towards me in a teal suit walking exactly like he would walk down the, uh, the, the, uh, the aisle with uh, no chance in hell playing in the background. And sure enough, it's Vince and Kennedy McMahon. And this guy walks past 
all the way past where I was. And literally all I could do is just one of these where I turn and I'm like, that was it. He waved back. Yikes. That was the end of it. And it, that was literally idiot. all I could do. Oh, now, <laughs> what a loser. Correct. Good. So here's another thing though. I am not, I am not like a star. Like I wouldn't call that me being starstruck. I call that me being like, what can I possibly say to Vince McMahon that he hasn't heard before that he, you know what I mean? Like, yes. I guess in, in my, my big regret is to not just be like, Hey man, I, I really like to shake your hand. Like, thank you for, you know, thank you for my childhood. Like that's yeah. kind of what, and I, I, I'm always like, when I walking around, when I think about the story, I'm like, here's what I could have said, or here's what I could have done. But yeah, I mean, at least he acknowledged me. At least he gave me like a little, a little head nod back. But I mean, he's still, he literally walking down, That's walking crazy. down, you know, just like that. And in like a teal suit, I'm like, holy fuck. And as soon as I saw him, I'm like, that's Vince McMahon. My yep. cousin's like, who are you? Who, who? I'm like, Vince McMahon, just don't worry about it. And he's walking, he walks back and it was just him and, and some other guy, just like some random older, older guy. I'm like, oh, it's the same that's... weekend, same weekend. Same exact weekend, Damn. Undertaker and Vince McMahon. I didn't say anything to either of them. So there was an event going on or something, I'm assuming? There, there had to have been. Hold on. Yeah. So that that was the thing. Like when I was there, there was Comic-Con going on. Um, mm-hmm. And it was kind of the same thing where I saw him and no one else was excited. And I was like, holy shit, it's Jerry Lawler. And everyone's just like, there's like four of us down there. Like who? Like uh, the king. Jerry Lawler, they're like, I don't know who that is. And I was like, should I say something? And Alyssa's like, sure. So it was, I had this moment where I was just like, this is it. What do I do? And when I went up to him, it was kind of like, you could Puppies! see him. He was kind of like, like and I was like, excuse me, Jerry. And he turned around and he's kind of like, and I was like, I'm a huge fan. Like I grew up watching wrestling. You were the best. You and JR are my favorite, blah, blah, blah. So he was like, he smiled and was like, all right, I'll take a picture. So he took around and I was like, Thanks, Jerry. And I kept just calling him Jerry. I was like, I don't know. Why am I not calling him the king? What is going on? I Mr. Was, the I was, king. It's I was so totally, nice to meet Mr. you, Mr. The Mr. king. <laughs> I was totally in my head, too. It's so it's so just, it's a weird thing. Just, okay. And I, I'm glad you brought that up because we used to go to Bourbon A every year or every other year or whatever and watch, you know, Bears training camp. And you'd see these grown-ass men and be like, Mr. Erlacher, can I have your autograph? And you'd be like, dude. Be an adult. Like, hey, act Brian. like you've been here. So, hey, calling Brian. you Jerry, hey, bro, I got you Jerry, in my opinion, is the move. If you're like, hey, Mr. Lawler, like, I don't know, it just, that just sounds weird. Man yeah, to man, that's, Jerry. That's why, like, to me, like, I, what'd you say? No, I said man <laughs> to man. What up, Jerry? Yeah. What up, Jer? Right. right, exactly. And that's, like, my big thing, too. Like, I've seen, I've seen some, some A-list celebrities, like, just at the airport or, you know, here, there, whatever. And like, I've never, like, to me, I've just never, it's never been one of those things where I like, I want to bother this person. Cause guess what? I don't want to be at the fucking airport. I'm sure right. this person doesn't want to be at the airport. Like right. he's flying under the radar. Right. So th- it just, it, it, it kills me because of the, of the situation that it was where it was literally just four people in the casino other than the dealers. And he walks right past, like, be a man. Go up to him and say, hey, Vince. Should have done it, dude. shake your hand, buddy. Right. You would have felt that's so how, much better. That's how I've been anytime I've had 
Russians with celebrities is my big thing is that I don't want to inconvenience them exactly. by any That's means. Hundred percent, what it is, right? Bro, and so I, I don't think I've ever gotten a picture with with anybody that I've bumped into, but nope. I have, I have like gone out of my way to like either shake their hand or just say like, "What's up? Thanks for doing whatever you're doing yeah. or whatever." Yep. I saw Bill Walton in Vegas right after the Grateful Dude, Dead you show. Could have tripped acid walked- with Bill Walton. I walked up to Bill Walton, shook his hand. I was like, Bill, how was the show? He goes, it was an experience, man. And then just walked away. (laughs) It was like the most Bill Walton thing I've ever seen. It was incredible. It's amazing. See, I feel like you got to just, you're right. Depending on situation, like airport's a tough one. But to me, it was Jerry Lawler was staying at the same hotel I was staying at. And it turned into a budding friendship. We took a picture. There was... Sure. Three, there was three other Naturally. encounters, two waves, and a beer purchase for his fiance. He told me he was there for Comic Con. He's like, "You guys should swing by if you got nothing going on. We're best friends. You never know what comes out of it." So I always yeah, just I probably say, told Go the for security it. detail to be on the lookout for you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. You just never know what's going to come <laughs> out of it, guys. So just always go say hi. We also saw two characters from The Office later on that weekend. It was. Uh, I don't watch The Office re- like religiously, so um, the one Mexican guy, um, Oscar, yeah, and then the uh, the redheaded lady. They were Meredith? like smaller, yeah, smaller characters, but they were they were all there for Comic Con. So oh, okay. I was there, gotcha, and gotcha, Sean gotcha. saw them, so we like said hi to them, and they were it was kind of because no one recognized them. Well, it's not right. like when the king's walking through. And you know, I saw, the I saw AJ Soprano who was hammered and get thrown off of a blackjack table because he was being a belligerent idiot. That's incredible because he is probably my number one most hated character. Oh, in TV any character TV show yeah. ever. Yeah, I still yes. have to watch that. Sorry, guys. Um, I what, saw what? Darius Miles. I saw Darius Miles. You, wait, you're not a Soprano fan? He's like, I lived it. Nope. My favorite, my favorite episode of The Sopranos was the episode that everyone hated the most, and that was the finale. The end? Ooh. <laughs> Not because it was the end, because it was, I thought, the best. It was, it was very it was, well done. Jim, yes, you I, forgot about a very important star encounter that we, that we had back in Rick 2004. Nash. Kevin Nash. Kevin Nash. Yeah. Kevin Nash. At, oh, I'm sorry. I was just talking about my Vegas oh. encounters. Oh. Kevin we, yeah, Nash we met Kevin Nash at Universal Studios. At Universal Studios. And, and took a picture with him. He was the legit biggest seven human foot I've tall. ever seen in my life. Like, oh, awesome. that was the other thing about Undertaker. He's legit oh, I, I, I did mention it. I did mention that. No, the other thing about the Undertaker that I that I thought was a was a a red flag was that he was not with who his wife was Kane. at the time. He did not have an urn. He was not walking with an urn. No, his wife, his wife at the time, it was not, it was not her. It didn't look like her. And that's so why it's his wife well. at the time and not anymore. Right. Yeah. Uh, yes. I think it was Sarah was his wife's name at the time. And she spells it wrong, by the way. There's no H, but what if he was with his sister? Could have been. You know, I mean, who knows? Well, either way, I fucked up. I didn't say right. hello. I didn't. I didn't roll my eyes in the back of my head or ask him to choke slam me. So, but he's also. But back then, Mr. He was Taker, very, can you choke slam yeah, me? Can you, can you just imagine running up down. to him? Can you choke slam yeah. me? But keep in mind too, he was also very, still very kayfabe back then. So I, he's the type of guy Dude. that I feel like. Remember when he went you know, American badass for like a year oh, and a half? We, we try not to. <laughs> 
just rode a motorcycle. Love the American. I just imagined him busting into the creative room. What if I just wore a Canadian tuxedo and an American flag bandana and rode a motorcycle down? Like, kind of like the dead. I'm doing it. Play American Badass by Kid Rock as I go down. He just rides the motorcycle. Hey, Mia. Whew. Okay, we're going to well, finish I will, up here. I will, I will. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, 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 no. <laughs> no I want to hear what you want to say. I want to hear it. No, because it'll be, I, I will say, I will say that the American Badass, Badass character did produce one of the best variations of the powerbomb in wrestling history. The last ride was phenomenal. The last ride was a good move. And when I played probably what, SmackDown, that was my favorite finishing move. That's that very good. See, this move. is why you're the resident historian. Well, every now and then, I get a nugget of truth. Whew. All right, we're going to finish up here since both of these episodes focused on heels. Anthony's going to give us his top five heels of all time. All right. So I was mulling this over a little bit. In order. No, I can't do it. I, I I'm okay. gonna do a Just I'm gonna do a fine. weird I got it. I'm gonna do a weird in order type thing that it might get a lot of heat for it. So <clears throat> the bottom two, four and five in any order, I would have to say would be Savage and see that's tough. Savage and Piper only because <sighs> I'm going to go Savage and Piper only because, again, they were ahead of my time. Okay, They obviously – They kind of paved the way. A lot of way. people can say that – Yeah, a lot of people can say that, that – um, what do you call it? That uh, Roddy Piper was like the number one guy simply because he, you know, was one of the most hated human beings on the planet when he was, you know, running wild. So I'd say those two down there are going to be my interchangeable four or five. And then my interchangeable one, two, and three, I have um, Ric Flair. I have Randy Orton, which is a controversial pick because, again, he was a little bit later than my time, but he's one of the best heels ever. And then I put Mr. McMahon and Austin kind of like as like a tandem together because I feel like the Mr. McMahon character – when with Stone Cold Steve Austin is the best heel ever. Mm-hmm. So those are my those are my interchangeable one, two, and three. I sent oh there's Mia. Hi Mia. I sent um, my original list to my neighbor and he started getting into my head a little bit. Because my original <laughs> list I had Orton, Triple H, Piper, Mr. McMahon slash Austin, and I had Hogan as well. So I took Hogan out and replaced him with Ric Flair. And I replaced Triple H with Randy Savage. Um, the reason I replaced Hogan with Flair was because I think Hogan's heel situation was like a one-off. Um, I think that was the best heel turn. Yeah. His legacy ever. is as a baby face for sure. Yeah. So, but I mean, that was like the, like that NWO Hogan for as long as it was yeah. was 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 absolutely remarkable. But then, while you bring up Hulk, how great was that shirt that he wore? Yeah, in the in the I think oh, it was yeah. in the that shirt. Roddy Piper interview where it's him 
But it's half like half NWO. of it was like Hulkamania, oh, yeah, half yeah, was yeah. NWO. Oh, I might not have noticed Ooh, that. It yeah, was, it was, it was a good shirt. It's just I'm hilarious that he's wearing a shirt with himself on it. But right. I guess it's such Hulk a Hulk move. It's all he oh, wears is everyone. Hulk stuff. Yeah. I'm yeah. sure all those guys only wear their own stuff. I would, I guess I would too. But Naturally. I'm just going to start making my own clothes. I need to well, develop a logo. Here's, a, here's a, another thing now that you mentioned that. And we were also talking about your boy, Jerry the King. Um, again, to to revert to that um, treasure, he was the main star of the uh, Greatest Treasures, and he wears like Ed Hardy shirts that are Jerry the King Lawler. So it's like it's like the Ed Hardy design, like all the, like the but it fl- just says Jerry Lawler stuff, on it. It just says Jerry the King on it. It's like, that's what, amazing. What is happening right now? Oh um, my gosh! But yes, awesome. going back to Orton real quick. Randy Orton, he was one of he was one of the like I could not I didn't like Randy Orton because he was kind of like the next generation and like mm-hmm. the next you know the next big thing after all of our guys or a lot of our guys started you know going away. So I never really like appreciated him. Um, but watching some of his documentaries and watching like what he's done in his, in his time of being there and like how long he's last. I mean, he's a 14 time, he's won the championship 14 times. So obviously he's doing something right. And he's still one of the best heels out there right now. So he, mm-hmm. you know, and, with his and he's legend, an interesting one where he's definitely got a following of people that love him. For yes. sure. Like, yeah. right. Not, so you mentioned not, the, not the most hated, but like certain people they, might yeah. be controversial, but people that have been following like in the last decade would probably back you up on this. I think. Yeah. Oh, without question. Yeah. And he, I, and honestly, I think that he, when it's all said and done, he'll, cause he has the mic. He obviously has the physical and, and athleticism. He has the promos. He has the good finisher and that, that mean streak. But yeah. Yeah. And he, and honestly, like he right now, like with the exception of Roman Reigns, like Roman Reigns is a big time heel right now. And he's actually, oh, can you hear me or no? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Roman Reigns is like a big time heel right now, but like with the exception of, of a couple guys, like Randy Orton is still like a traditional, like a traditional heel, mm-hmm. like where he'll, he'll turn his back on the good guy and like, make you like, come on, Randy. Like we kind of like you for a little bit now, you know, you just arcade your partner and, and everyone's mad at you again. Like, he's always had that constant thing where you could like never trust him. He's the Viper. Like I've, I've started to gain a lot of respect for him over the years. And, you know, I feel like it was, it would have, it would have done, it would have done this list a disservice if he was not on there. Cause he's. Well, especially considering, like you said, seeing like really the commitment that you have to have to be a heel character is like, you have to be committed to not only probably, you know, losing some matches, but being hated by a fan base, which is like not an easy thing to do when you're going out and performing in front of sold out arenas every, you know, three, four nights a week, whatever it is now. Um, One other thing I wanted to mention too, before we close that I forgot uh, when we were talking about Roddy Piper is I thought it was cool seeing how he was kind of the first wrestler to transcend Hollywood. Albeit with like, with like the, you know, shitty sci-fi like cult movie, but (laughs) Um, just seeing that that he was the first one to kind of try to make that move, and then how we've seen that play out since then, where yeah. you know Hulk Hogan went in Hollywood for a while, and then obviously The Rock has been the most successful to do it, but he kind of paved that path for there to be some crossover there. Although at that time, like they mentioned, there was just no opportunity for their time wise no. to be, you know, to do both. 
because you were just on the road traveling all the time, always had to be mm-hmm. going to the next place. But also think about think about who your competition would have been at that time. Arnold. Right, exactly. Why? Bodybuilders. Like Van Damme. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like you're the not, biggest action you're... heroes of all time are like in their yeah. in their peak. So that's a good point. And obviously Hulk Hogan never really turned into like a budding action hero. He did some stuff, but Thunder in Paradise got robbed at the Oscars. But other <laughs> As than in that, Mr. Nanny and Suburban Commando. Other than that. Um, okay, so next week, Tone's going to be back. We're going to be talking about Booker T, I believe, is the next. Um, mm-hmm. uh, again, someone I'm most, the most familiar I am with Booker T is him getting his butt kicked by Stone Cold um, in the in grocery, grocery store. store. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I'm excited to kind of see. Uh, it seems like there will be a lot of, um, he had a lot of influence for young black wrestlers growing up. So it'll be kind of cool. I'll tell you see. right now, just from the little bit that I know about his history, be ready for some some tears. A messed, a messed up childhood. Okay. For sure. That's, Another that, one that's of those awesome. survival stories more so. Oh, than, uh, yeah. Okay. Big time. Big time. All right. But that's all we've got for this week's episode. We appreciate all of our condiments out there who listen. If you don't already, follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at Bros Let's Talk. You can subscribe to our podcast at on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, pretty much anywhere your podcasts are carried. Our website is broslitstalk.com, and the podcast lives at anchor.fm slash broslitstalk. For Jimmy, Andy, Anthony, this is Pat. Later, dudes. Peace. Hey guys. See ya. Ooh, yeah. All right. Latest on the men, Jay. <laughs>